Today's scripture reading is from John chapter 12, verses 44 through 50. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge them, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. All right. Thank you, Christina. I'll move back a little bit here so I'm not all up in the Hoff family's space. Um, <laughs> well, it's, um, yeah, just again, a, a very special time uh, to be a part of that. And, um, I'm honored and, and privileged, and also in an emo emotional place, just a, a heads up, and, uh, uh, but I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing to come before the Lord and to be shaped individually and corporately as His people. And um, before we get into John, where we are this evening, I want to um, actually walk us through where we're headed over the next few um, weeks and months, so even all the way through the end of this year, um, we're, um, we were in Nehemiah. We just wrapped up last week being in Nehemiah, and, um, and, and this is where we're headed going forward. If you want to, I don't know if we have a slide for this. I sent a bunch of slides, and I'm thankful for the, uh, the AV team doing, doing, doing these things, but um, this is where, where we're headed. We'll be in John, where we are right now in John chapter 12, beginning in verse 37. So if you want to meet me there um, and, and get your Bible, and if you come consistently, I'd encourage you to bring a Bible with you. Um, we are a church who submit to the Word of God. We're told in Scripture, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our God endures forever. And elsewhere, that it's profitable for uh, every aspect of life, for teaching and for re reproof and for encouragement and correction. So we come humbly before God and his word, and that's the posture we need to have today. So we'll be in John for the next four weeks. Then we're going to hit pause again and dip out of um, John and, and pick back up with the sermon series that we were in, uh, in the when the pandemic hit, March 15th, 2020. Um, we were walking through a sermon series called Countercultural Convictions. So we're going to pick back up in that, um, and we'll be in that for six weeks. And so the six sermon series topics for countercultural convictions, because we're gluttons for punishment and things haven't been tense enough over the last year and a half, um, we want to dive right back into that. And the first one is going to be how we counter culture. Then we're going to talk about gender and then sex. And then the vulnerable, and then generosity, and then salvation. So that's where we'll be in countercultural convictions, and we're excited for that, and please be praying with us for that. Then we'll get back into John, John chapter 14 through 16, for six more weeks, 
And then we will pause again for the Advent season, as we do every year. That's the Christmas season, the Advent season, where we um, anticipate and remember the coming of Jesus. Sound good? With me? All right. So, um, so that's where we're headed, okay? Throughout the whole year, we've got some things planned. And um, now let me, let me share where we're headed this evening together. Um, the sermon title is Jesus' Last Call. And that's where we are in John, as we'll see, that's what's happening, is Jesus, this is the end of Jesus' public ministry. And the big idea that I want, that we're going to kind of walk through that breaks down is this, that we all choose judgment, but God mercifully rescues some. So that's where we're walking through. And, and as we get into it, I want to ask you a question, okay, before I pray. Um, and it's this. Will you continue to sit in the dark seat of unbelief or surrender to Jesus' call to come into the light? Again, will you continue to sit in the dark seat of unbelief or surrender to Jesus' call to come into the light? So let me pray, and I want to say that I'm, I'm, I'm coming to this with an element of um, fear, uh, not of you, <laughs> but uh, of the lo- Lord, and, and a desperate awareness and keenness of, of, of my need for His Spirit to speak through me, um, most importantly through His Word, and, and to every heart in this room. Some of you know what my family has gone through, my extended family over the last year and continuing today and yesterday and and Corey's tears and and Chris's tears um, remind me of of our desperate need for Jesus. And I pray that he will speak in a way that I can't control, that I can't fabricate to every one of us individually. So will you join me in coming before God and asking his spirit to lead our time in his word? Heavenly Father, um, thank you for this time we've had together. Thank you for uh, thus far, for the, 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 the vision of life, of many lives. Of um, Lord, we thank you for community and family that we can come alongside and pray for each other. While we do that, we're all reminded, I think, of those who either have in the past or are currently walking through different aspects of brokenness in life, whether it be in for broken families, um, uh, the, 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 the struggles and the sadness of loss. Lord, we pray that you will minister to us and through us, that we can rejoice with those who are rejoicing and weep with those who are weeping. And, and Lord, now as we get into our time in your word, I, I have a, a keen sense of our need for you. Lord Jesus, this last year and a half has revealed, and we've talked about this, and everything in me wants to just slap on a, a smile and, and bring easy joy. And, and, and yet, as we embark on this journey through your word in the next uh, half an hour or so, we, we um, pray that, that, that we will have the courage through, again, your spirit and your goodness to walk into difficulty, and then from there to trust that you are bringing us to joy and hope that only comes from you. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. So diving right in 
to John chapter 12. Welcome back to John after a number of weeks off. And we're going to pick up in verse 37. When Jesus said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. That's the end of verse 36. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So John can be called the book of signs. Uh, at the very end, our first sermon when we got into John, and we've picked up on this multiple times in John chapter 20, the author, John, says that all these, um, that many other signs have been done, that Jesus did all kinds of things, but these ones specifically have been written down and shared with us for the last thousands of years, 2,000 plus years, so that we might see Jesus and believe in him and find eternal life, full, rich life, beginning now into all eternity through faith in him. And so Jesus did many, many signs. Let me just walk through. I think we'll have these here, the signs, because this is the end of the signs. We saw the last one last week when Jesus raised, or sorry, months ago, but in chapter 11, when, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. The first one was in chapter two, that he turned water into wine. And then he healed an official son who was dying. And then he healed a lame man at the pool in Bethsaida in chapter five. In chapter six, we saw Jesus providing bread in the desert to the 5,000. And people get all caught. Let me just pause for a moment. I can't, I don't have time to go on any tangents here, but there's all these debates. People have degrees based on uh, whether or not they think there were, there were six signs or seven signs or how many signs they were. And we get all caught up in stuff that the authors of scripture could care less about. And, and, and so with that, I just want to say briefly, in case you are one of these people that's Man, um, where we're going to be in here again, sitting in a seat of judgment and evaluation and critiquing everyone, including God. And, and we're going to see here from our time together in the word that there's no place for that, that that is a, a place of, of darkness. Um, and, and so uh, if that's you or any of us, I just want to acknowledge there are, there's debate and conversation on how many signs there were. And it's all based on one of them is on this is, well, was Jesus walking on water one of the signs or not one? Is it included in the bread uh, that he fed, you know, 5,000 in the desert? And we get into these, it's like, how much does that matter? <laughs> like, a lot of Pharisees did the same thing in that day. Uh, rather, should we say, wow, Jesus, um, might just be who he says he is, the, the creator of all things, the very God of the universe. And he did feed 5,000 people, and he walked on water. Whether or not one counts or not uh, should be pretty silly. So with that, um, I come back. Uh, in chapter 9, Jesus healed a man who was born blind. And then again in chapter 11, he raised Lazarus from the dead, and we saw uh, a, a result of these signs, right? He did all these different signs. What was the result? Because again, this, this fits to us even this evening together in this room. There are many who probably fit into these various categories. A few people saw all these signs, all these miracles I just walked through, and they believed. They trusted in Jesus. They transferred their trust from self to him. A few believed. Many were in awe. Many were entertained. Many were intrigued. And then massive numbers 
rejected him. And so what John's doing here in verse 37 and in this section now, he's helping us make sense of how did Jesus do all these things? And I think he's even calling some of us out today in our day, right? That, that might say, well, if Jesus would just do blank, then I'd believe. If God would peel back the heavens and go, you know, oogie boogie um, and show me, then I'd believe. I, I don't think that's, that's true, uh, we see here, many saw all these different things and didn't believe. So John is helping us make sense how some would see all these things and still not believe. And John's assumption and my assumption right here this evening as we continue on walking through this is this. All of us naturally in and of ourselves are rebellious. We don't want to believe. It's in our nature in our core, our choice is to turn away from God, to go our own way, to do our own thing. And so in verse 38, um, John now explains how and why we can see all these things and still not believe. And uh, so just read with me there, verses 38 through 40, where John is now quoting from the Old Testament. He's quoting Isaiah from about 500 years before this time that they're all walking through. This is what he says in verse 38, some still did not believe in him so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm, the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, he, that's speaking of God, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. What's your first reaction to that, what I just read? I just said, this is God's word. We submit to it. Other parts of God's word say, love your neighbor as yourself. Pro there's probably not a human on the earth, unless they're like a sociopath murderer, that wouldn't agree with, with that, right? Love your neighbor. Love other people like you love yourself. Be kind but it's all his word. We believe that. We could talk, we could debate all about that. It is. That's our assumption. This is God speaking. What's your first reaction to what I just read? My guess is for many of us is that it's not fair. Well, that's not fair. It sounds like from what I just read that God is playing what's been referred to and kind of jokingly called like duck, duck, damn. Like, okay, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're in, you're in, you're out. Like, if you ever played Duck, Duck, Goose, you're just sitting there, right, waiting to get, you know, your head touched or see what's going to happen. And like, is that what God's doing? Is he flippant? Is he mean? Is he, is he cruel? I think that's a fair question. But that's not the case. That's not the message we get here. But why do we think it's not fair? I think if we, uh, until... We move from the place that most of us are to a different place. It's going to feel unfair. We're not able to even engage in this conversation of God's sovereignty, of God being in control of all things, of why are some people Christians, why are some people saved and some people not, until we come to the place of acknowledging, okay, are you with me, acknowledging that it would be totally fair of God if all of us went to hell. We, we tend to think so highly of ourselves 
Though we confess something with our lips, though we say, well, well, um, you know, we need God or by God's grace, we kind of fill in these these phrases and we say these things, oh, if, if, you know, by God's grace, he does this and that, but functionally, practically on a heart level, we think I'm a pretty good guy. At least I'm not that person. At least I'm not that person. We compare ourselves to others and then we use that same evaluation metric to judge God. Say, well, I'm a pretty good person, but I think until we come to a place of acknowledging our fallenness, our brokenness, our sinfulness. Okay, let me, it, it's a high theology that we're in right now, but, but we can't stay there. Let's bring it down to a practical heart level. Let me, let me ask you again, how, how do you evaluate yourself in regard to God? Um, again, by nature, my assumption is we are broken. We're fallen. We are rebellious. Hear me, we're running in the opposite direction of God. We're giving the proverbial middle finger. We're, we are, we're, not, we're not neutral. We think we are. We're not neutral. Let me share with you a quote from a, a, a man named James Boyce. This is what he says. In terms of salvation, it is hardly necessary for God to blind anyone. For men begin blind and come to Christ only when God intervenes to give sight to them. Okay, again, as I just said, I think that's an assumption that we just need to I'll be honest with. And I don't want to try to bend your arm or convince you. Or you don't have to pretend that you agree with me. What I at least want to do, I think my job as a preacher is to bring all of us, myself included, before the scriptures, before God's word, before what he's saying, before his authority, and then to just trust that we will respond as we respond that as his spirit intercedes and intervenes, that, that he will lead us to, to respond and that we will, we will see him and that the responsibility is, is on us. So I'm not trying to convince you, but what I do want to at least not leave us thinking, we can walk away from here thinking, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a blank slate and if God does that, that's, uh, that's, that's mean of him because that, that'll show up in the rest of our lives. Uh, this year I've had my dad passing away, my brother passing away, my uncle passing away, my brother in a really, other brother in a really bad place and things with family. And I don't know what has happened in your life. I'm sure it's a laundry list. And my heart goes out to you. And, and hopefully, lovingly, I'm, 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 I'm telling you, unless we come before God and see that he is merciful and holy, holy is set apart and righteous, and then from there, acknowledge our natural place before him, which is rebellious, which is, which is, which is hate, then we will sit back and judge him and judge everyone else. So I again invite you to acknowledge before him we are broken. We're rebel we don't want him. We get what we want. God doesn't have to change us to become hardened. That's where we start. All of us choose judgment, choose rebellion. Um, author C.S. Lewis wrote an, 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 an incredible um, short book called The Great Divorce. Again, crazy people get all into theological arguments about that book. I am not interested in doing that right now. It's a great book. Um, 
it doesn't mean you're Catholic if you like that book or you're talking about purgatory or all that. I don't know if you even care about all that. I hope you don't, but I just want to say that. It's a great book. And um, what I would highly recommend, uh, and it's okay to be Catholic too, by the way. We could talk about that later. Um, so uh, my email is going to be full this week. So, um, so in The Great Divorce, the, in this whole exchange, it's a short book. Again, read it. Uh, this is what the author, C.S. Lewis, who also wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, this is what he says. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. Again, God's not um, making any of us do anything we don't want. We want rebellion. We don't want him. Again, some of the people I've said goodbye to and officiated their, their, their services this last year, my own family members, as much as I might have pleaded with them, presented the gospel to them, prayed for them, which I believe God uses and calls us to do, none of them who didn't know the Lord wanted to. Their last breath wasn't, you know, God's so mean, he's not giving me something I want. To their very last breath, they wanted their own way. They wanted autonomy. They wanted what Genesis chapter 3 walks us through as a picture of saying, I don't want to submit to God. I don't want to be created and live my life in God's image and according to his purpose. I want my own way. I want it my way. I want to be God. And that just continues to propel all of us to this day until God's intervention. All of us choose judgment, but he mercifully rescues some. So um, let, let me again ask a question before I, I kind of bring us home here in verse 45. Um, will you sit back and judge God as unfair? Or will you take an honest look at yourself, your rebellion, your need for him? Again, whether you are a Christian or not, I'm inviting all of us to take this evaluation Will you see your desperate need for Jesus? And then from there, I'm confident you'll see his provision of mercy and kindness. And, and in that last part that, that we're not going to dive fully into in verses 42 and 43, we see a reason why many people don't. My own dad, who thankfully did surrender to the Lord, um, shared with me for years and years and years and years as I prayed with him, as I talked with him, and he finally felt more comfortable. And he was a police officer and in the military and then a construction worker. So these were pretty raw, uh, colorful conversations. And, um, he, and once he began to become more honest and didn't think he had to talk to me like this because I'm a religious, pious person. And Dave, would you give the blessing for the Thanksgiving meal? And, you know, sometimes that's how our family or friends kind of interact with us and think you got to be when you're a Christian and stuff. So once all those walls, thankfully, kind of broke down and my dad opened up a little bit, um, he, he shared with me uh, the fear of what other people think about me. In verse 43, they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. If that's what you want, if that's what you're seeking, God's not gonna, you know, just withhold something that you don't want. But for some, he mercifully intercedes and gives life. So pick up with me now in, um, in, uh, in chapter 12, verses. I'm going to read verses 44, uh, 49, and 50. 
And Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. For I have not spoken of my own authority, but the father who sent me has given, um, has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the father has told me. Okay, what Jesus is doing in this, in this section that we're in, that we're, that we're ending in, in verses 44 through 50, is Jesus is kind of giving a summary of his entire message. Because again, he, this is the last time he's given a public call, all right? And, and again, there's something that's, it, this isn't in chronological order necessarily. So what happened in, at the beginning in verse 37, when it said that Jesus went and hid himself, is, 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 is giving a, 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 a recording of, of what he did. So after he made a public call, he said, you know, kind of a last call. Have you, you ever been to a baseball game or a bar or wherever, right? There's a last call. Um, Jesus is given the last call publicly for salvation. And so he's given a summary of his message, the gospel. That word gospel means good news. The good news of life found in him, of life found in submitting to him and coming into the light out of the darkness. And so he says in these verses, he says, I'm here on the Father's authority. He's reminding us of what he said. If you're going to look and kind of dive into this more, which I hope we all do, it's he's reminding us of chapter one of John, that he was in the beginning, the word and the word was God, and the word is God, and everything that came into, into being was through him. So as he's speaking, as he's sharing these, he's not a good person, he's not on level playing field with, with the Buddha or Muhammad or, or any other Gandhi or any other religious figure. No, he stands alone as fully God and fully man, and he's reminding us right now that this gospel, this invitation, this message that I'm giving you, that I'm inviting you to respond to, is not just as some wise philosophical guru. He's saying, I'm God. I'm speaking on behalf of the Father who sent me. So take seriously what I'm saying to you. And then um, read with me now in verses 47 through 48, where Jesus says something. He says he's bringing salvation and not judgment. Verse 47, if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I'm, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. So again, Jesus is saying what I've already said all along, and some believed, many were intrigued, and the masses rejected, saying that that is judgment. One day Jesus will return and will judge all people, living and dead. That's the end of the story that we see that then he, all those who have trusted in him and, and responded to his call to faith will live for all eternity in his new kingdom. And it's going to be incredible. It's not just a boring choir concert. Um, I'm kind of going out, out, uh, out here because some might be here. You might be here because you love your family who are dedicating children. And I know because I grew up in a non-Christian family, all the silly images that the church has produced over thousands of years of little chubby babies wearing diapers and floating around playing harps. And I get why, again, my construction worker dad's like, 
that sounds really boring. I'm not going to look very good in a diaper, and um, I don't want any part of it. I don't have a good voice. That's not the picture of eternity, okay? Let me tell you that, and I'd love to go into what it is going to be, um, but that's not it. It's good. It's glorious, and, 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 uh, and, 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 and Jesus will one day judge, but he's reminding him, I've already said everything. I've told you my story. If you've received it or rejected it, that is your judgment. Um, let me read with you quickly in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, that, that just further hammers this home. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. So again, enough um, has been given and shown for us to already be judged. God has revealed himself through all of creation. By his kindness, he's given us his scripture. By his incredible grace and goodness, he sent his son, most importantly. Continuing to this day as, as a blessing to the world, he's given his church. We don't always act like a blessing, but his plan is that he would reveal his gospel through us, through how we relate with one another, how we live, how we share his word. So there's already sufficient judgment. He said, so they are without excuse. So Jesus is saying, I don't have to judge anyone because you're already judged. We choose judgment. We start in a place of judgment, of rebellion. But hear me right now, because this might be true in your life. What Jesus is saying is judgment isn't new, but salvation is. I came to rescue you. Jesus is not, God is not presented in scripture as a mean puppeteer. No, he is, as C.S. Lewis again refers to him, the hound of heaven, pursuing his people, his bride were referred to. Not necessarily individually, because some of us say, I don't want to be his bride, like corporately. He, collectively, he is a, a bridegroom, a, a warrior, riding out to, to, to save his, his, his stolen captive bride. He's pursuing. He mercifully gives life. How do you respond to it? Let me close with reading verses 45 and 46. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If you are a Christian here, um, what does it look like? Do you wander back into darkness? Are you offended by God sometimes and by the idea that he calls you to submit to him? Are you offended by your desperate need for him? Again, I think every one of us would confess and say, no, no, no way. But functionally, practically, even theologically, are we? And does that keep us kind of walking in the shadows? Will you and I remain in the darkness, in the dark seat of judgment? Or will we respond to the good news of Jesus' call to come into the light in the light, there's no darkness. In the light, there's freedom. In the light means under Jesus's care. It means though there is yet sorrow, it does not have the last word. 
Though there is fear, ultimately there is triumph. Though there is shame, hear me, there is healing. There is freedom. There is restoration. There is life. Let me pray as we respond to Jesus. Jesus, we're in your hands. Every individual in this room is in your hands. Lord, every child we prayed for is in your hands. Your hands are good. Your hands are trustworthy. I admit and confess I do not get everything. I don't understand your sovereignty. I don't fully understand the doctrine of election, though I believe it because your word teaches it. Um, I don't. I'm futile. What I do know is outside of your grace, I can't fathom where I would be. Lord Jesus, I pray that even now by your spirit as we respond, I pray that every individual and we collectively as a whole will see your good news, will see your undeserved favor, will see your pursuit and that we will respond, that we will submit to your kindness. In Jesus' name. Amen.